Today we speak with Dr. Varsha Kurana in India. Dr. Varsha bravely shares with us her own experience with miscarriage and how homeopathy was able to help. She now specializes in infertility cases and in this episode she shares some useful remedies as well as case studies to bring hope to those listeners who might be going through an infertility diagnosis at the moment and may feel like giving up hope. You can book a consultation with Dr. Varsha or find out more about her work at homeopathynet.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Varsha Kurana, all the way from India. Welcome, Dr. Varsha. Thank you so much, Eugenie, for having me. Thank you. It's lovely to have you on. And I know you say people call you V, but I think you've got such a beautiful name, so I'm going to attempt to pronounce it. (laughs) So tell us, Vasha, how did you first get introduced to homeopathy? Okay, I got introduced. I've spoken about it in other places, well, I think. Um, I got introduced to homeopathy through my grandfather because he was a patient of rheumatoid arthritis and he was suffering quite badly. And the only relief that he got was from working with a homeopath that this I'm talking about 80 years back wow Uh, he he got it early on in his life he's no more now so I was really young and uh, he got his relief from homeopathy and he used to spend like one third of his salary on that homeopath he he wanted one of his grandkids to get into homeopathy somehow and I turned out to be that grandkid. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he is with you in spirit every single day and smiling down on you. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, Vasha, you have a special interest in infertility and how homeopathy can help with this, which is amazing because it's definitely something that just seems to be all around us these days. Why do you have this interest in infertility and, and how can homeopathy help? Right. So I have worked in, uh, with an IVF clinic uh, initially as an adjuvant to my practice. And I saw the inside out of that system, how that works, IVF and surrogacy. I was the surrogacy head at one of the hospitals. And there are so many, you know, ups and downs there that I felt that homeopathy must be thought about, you know, as a viable option for infertility. Mm -hmm. And that uh, grew much more for me when personally I suffered a miscarriage. When I, when I conceived for the first time, I suffered a miscarriage in the early months of my pregnancy. And when I conceived again, I, I used to work with my mentor at that time, Dr. Verma. He was really old and I, you know, just took training from him, some practical training from him for two to three years initially. So he told me that whenever you conceive now, just come to me and do not do anything else. I was like, okay, great. So I did that. And I was amazed that homeopathy, I mean, being a homeopath also, I was amazed that uh, how homeopathy just helped me with my tendency to miscarriage, you know, Mm -hmm. because the gynecologists had pretty much nothing to offer at that time. They were giving me hormones and I had already done that once and I was still miscarrying. Mm -hmm. So uh, homeopathy came to the rescue and I had a healthy, beautiful boy. And um, I think that also pushed me more towards infertility and homeopathy. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What was it like for you working in those infertility clinics? And I mean, the, the thought of surrogacy, you know, it's it's incredible that somebody would actually do that for another person. I just think that's amazing. What was that like for you working there? It was really like, it was early on in my practice, as I said, and it was I was very young and it was 
a very eye-opening kind of an experience because um, I would say there, you know, there was a time when I thought that these women are probably not getting their due and also the the intended couples, the intended parents who are undergoing surrogacy, the rules, the law around it also was not that strong in place. At least I can speak for, you know, Delhi, India. I am not mm. sure in how that works and how strict the laws are. But I just felt they needed another option. Also, so many intended parents who wanted to, uh, you know, have a child through IVF could not afford it. So that was also one driving factor that, you know, the, the procedure itself, in, even in India, is extremely expensive. Forget about the US. US is probably 10 times more if you compare the modalities. It's, it's extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of parents really cannot uh, afford it. So I don't know. I just always felt that they deserved another option. And mm-hmm. uh, just that they are not aware also that they do have an option in alternative medicine. So, so to speak, alternative medicine, but homeopathy does offer an option. And that is what um, made me really passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel homeopathy can help people with infertility? What sort of things might you explore in a consult and what might that look like and how might you be able to help them? Okay, so um, I think every homeopath has a different way of approaching their cases because, you know, there are so many ways one can practice homeopathy. Mm. In my own exploration until now, I have been driven by the mind section of the repertory. I go by the mind of the person, by the personality of the person, in addition to the physical symptoms or the pathology that is attached to a particular diagnosis. So uh, that is how I practice. So if I try to study how is this condition affecting this person on the mental plane. That is my area of um, you know exploration. And that's where I try to understand the patient I'm treating because homeopathy is something that treats the person right not the mm-hmm. not these uh, we all have heard that too many times now so uh, means that I need to understand my patient at a different level at a mental level at the personality level mm-hmm. you know what kind of uh, circumstances does this person have and uh, you know what kind of uh, emotional state is this person currently experiencing with mm-hmm. this diagnosis right and and then obviously considering if there is any pathology attached you know on the reports etc that are presented to me Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing because being a homeopath in India, obviously you have all that medical training as well. So you are actually able to get all the reports and use that in your case taking as well, which is incredible. Yes, I usually ask my patients to just forward the reports to me beforehand and uh, then I go into a consultation with them. That's amazing. And would you see the man and the woman or do you just treat the woman or how does it work? No. So it can be a the sterility can be at the level of, uh, you know, the male part of the uh, relationship as well. So why not? I treat both men and women. Mm, that's beautiful. And what sort of success rate do you have with, with infertility and homeopathy? Okay, so we're not very uh, social media oriented 10 years back. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, not something that was on my mind and I didn't really uh, bother to create a statistic there. But a minimum, I can say 60 to 70 percent is something I can say that kind of a success rate can be expected. That's amazing. It's, it's certainly higher than uh, IVF, that's for sure. Yes, yes, mm. it is. And safer I, and cheaper. <laughs> yes, I already said that. It's extremely safe. Uh, I think it's 
much less torturous mm. and uh, it's amazing uh, the kind of procedures that uh, the women and men have to go through before they actually went go for the ET the embryo transfer during an IVF etc etc and surrogacy comes with its own emotional downfalls and upfalls so mm. i just feel it's much simpler and uh, at least everybody needs to have an option Absolutely. And um, Varsha, what, what sort of remedies would you typically use? I mean, it's, always, it's obviously a very tricky question to ask, but are there just some basic remedies that you can maybe tell our listeners about that you have found helpful? And obviously, this is not for them to self-prescribe at home, but just to give them an idea of what type of remedies they might receive during a consultation. Sure. Um, I can talk about some remedies that, you know, every homeopath will think of when we are dealing with an infertility case. But um, so let me start with uh, a very common remedy that you might have heard about, uh, Aurum Metallicum, Aurum group of remedies and Aurum Metallicum. So this remedy is, you know, it comes indicated mainly when the diagnosis of infertility, not uh, being not being able to have a child, is causing a lot of depression mm-hmm. in, in the And the patient is like brooding and, you know, going into a depressed state along with this diagnosis. So then we think of... Um, uh, remedies like or metallic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are there are actually many many things to consider uh, when we are dealing with a case of infertility, like the menstrual cycle, for example. Now, uh, when we study the menstrual cycle, uh, it can be it can present itself in various ways. Like it can be profuse, it can be uh, very scanty flow, it can be painful, it can be too late, it can be too early. So all of this needs to be analyzed you know, for a remedy indication, Mm. along with other things, of course, along with the overall picture. Um, You know, even the color of the flow can be important. Mm. So, you know, if if the flow is dark in color, then there are certain other set of remedies that, uh, you know, come to my mind uh, when I take all of that uh, menstrual history. Mm. Then then the other thing to consider is the libido. You know, what is the sexual desire like Mm -hmm. when uh, dealing with such a case? So there are some cases where the libido is very high and there is sterility along with that, then there are the remedies change. If the libido is very low and there is sterility in the background as well, then the remedies are different. Mm-hmm. Agnes Castus is a remedy that's commonly you know, known for this kind of condition. And I think all the homeopaths would think about this remedy. But again, the libido uh, factor has to be considered when we are deciding. Honor, you know, so that is again an important state to consider. You, you said then, Agnes Castus. Hey, that's the remedy made from wild yam. And just for our listeners, uh, Dr. Vasha said Aurum before. That's the remedy that's made from gold. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. So then there are, you know, some cases where we have to consider the condition of the uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, in our books, it is mentioned that when the uterine condition is uh, sluggish, then there are certain remedies that are considered. It's called uh, it's called atony or it's called, uh, you know, laxity of a particular organ. Then we have some organ support remedies. Mm-hmm. All right. And then there is, uh, you know, the, if the ovarian condition, like let's say there is PCOS, mm-hmm. right. But then there are, again, some other remedies that come to your mind. Folliculinum is one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could, you know, say this one, a general thing about, you know, people who are trying to conceive and haven't had success until now. They can use folliculinum as a remedy uh, from the 8th to 15th day of your cycle. And every cycle, they can keep doing that. And that will help them 
in improving the condition of the the quality of the egg basically mm, because a lot amazing. of what about the quality of the egg that might you know the egg quality is uh, not good so then we think about remedies which have a particular affinity to the ovaries mm. and you know for like ophorinum there are a few remedies to consider mm-hmm. uh, typically as i said from 8th to the 15th day folliculinum 30c can be taken uh, there is one more tip i'll probably keep it for the end so that people keep listening <laughs> just giving later sure. okay so um then again you know there is a remedy um, which is commonly known for acidity mm-hmm. but it is also indicated uh, for infertility when there is non retention of semen after sex if the semen is not being retained in the vagina and in the tract mm-hmm. then the remedy becomes natrum fos so you know mm-hmm. that generally just known for acidity commonly but you know these our remedies are they are so deep acting and they have effects in so many spheres of the body that we cannot just uh, that's why we keep saying that you know we have to consider the whole state of the patient and only then prescribe a remedy so there could be a condition where there are growths in the body uh, it can be anywhere it can be vaginal warts and you know we term it as psychotic sterility when there is psychosis in the background that is that is how we go about uh, the miasmatic diagnosis of a case and typically uh, again not to be self prescribed i'll mention mm-hmm. but metrinum is the remedy uh, you know that that is considered for psychotic sterility that has been mentioned in relation to psychotic sterility mm-hmm. then there is a remedy where you know there is uh, abortion due to uh, bleeding around mm-hmm. the placenta right uh, a t- a very small rare remedy for this particular condition could be cobaltum nitricum oh so, interesting yeah so there are so many remedies it's really not a one one remedy one situation uh, kind of a thing in homeopathy mm-hmm. uh i will talk about a remedy which is my favorite remedy because it helped me when i had a tendency to uh, you know recurrent miscarriage and mm-hmm. tendency to abortion uh the remedy is electris farinosa and the woman basically has a tendency to abort when she gets uh, pregnant the pregnancy is easy conception is fine mm-hmm. but abortion tendency is there and then we think of this remedy there could be a wide discharge so so to speak leucorrhea in the picture uh, there could be sexual frigidity as well mm-hmm. in this remedy and the person is extremely sensitive uh, you know the remedy will not just help in that tendency to abortion but also improve the general you know condition of the patient with an improved uh, digestion with an improved appetite and uh, with a, a general improvement of the overall uh, health of the patient mm-hmm. you know our remedies work they work on the entire system and not just on one particular symptom so um, should i go on keep talking yeah i was actually going to say it's actually interesting because i haven't used elytris farinosa but recently a client of mine got me to order it in for her for anemia so yeah, I, it's not a remedy that I really know. So that's the only place I've ever heard about it. But I always try because most of our listeners, we have lots of homeopaths that listen to the podcast that email in, but most of our listeners are the general public. So if I think that there's something that's said that they might not understand, I try to clarify just to include them in the conversation. So uh, Dr. Varsha was saying about folliculinum, it's the remedy that's made from uh, estrogen. And there was also ophorinum, which is the remedy made from healthy ovarian tissue. Natfos, you will commonly know as a tissue salt. And like she said, it's really 
really good for acidity. And you can get it in most, most health shops, even in Australia, as the Schussler tissue salts. And then what she was saying about the psychotic tendency, it wasn't for crazy people. It's just what we as homeopaths call one of our miasms. And that's sort of like, um, like an epigenetic blueprint almost that you were handed down from your ancestors. And I think when you use the word abortion, you were meaning miscarriage because in homeopathic uh, language uh, and also in our textbooks, the words that's used for miscarriage is abortion. So just for those people uh, that are listening, that word might have a bit of a trigger factor in it. So I just thought I would clarify that. And you said cobaltum nitricum you've used for that. I haven't even, um, I've never used that one. So that's why I love doing these podcasts. I learn so much. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for that. But please do continue. That was great. I love learning from you. Thank you so much for clarifying all of that. I'm sorry I, I went too technical. There. No, no, that's what I'm here for. So to clarify it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then I would talk about a very, again, a common remedy, which is thought of for very obstinate infertility that, that has been ongoing for years and years and years. And that remedy is natrum carb. And it's a great remedy, has been used over and over again with success in such cases as well. Um there is rare remedy, which is typically indicated when there is ovarian atrophy. Ovarian atrophy means that the ovarian tissue is degenerating and it's not developed properly. Uh, when such a condition, such a pathological condition, like I said, we have to take into consideration the pathology of the case as well. Mm. Whatever we are on an ultrasound also is extremely important. So ananthirum, ananthirum mure is a remedy. Never heard which of that. <laughs> Again, a rare remedy. It's a small remedy that is indicating there is ovarian atrophy or ovarian tissue degeneration, which is associated with sterility or infertility. That's very interesting. So do you find that that tends to happen later on in life or is it something that people tend to have, you know, early on in life? Uh, it could be in, you know, over 35, 36 mm. years of age, more common there. But so to speak, it's not really typical that, you know, yeah. it can happen as well due to you know yeah so it can happen Mm. so then there are you know the big remedies uh, like sepia that is talked about so much for hormonal infertility when there is a complete imbalance of hormones in the body it could also reflect on the menstrual cycle by you know suppression of it or no menses coming for months and months altogether so then we have to you know think about remedies which are typically focused on hormonal imbalance like sepia like all of the polycrest remedies that we hear about even phosphorus is a very good remedy for infertility again in a phosphorus patient mm. you know we have to determine if it's a phosphorus personality then phosphorus will you know, help. There's one more remedy that's coming to my mind, um, cannabis indica. Oh. So uh, the vaginal secretion for this remedy to be indicated is extremely acidic, mm-hmm. extremely acidic, excoriating, uh, you know, causing irritation of the genitals. That kind of a vaginal secretion is there. And, you know, again, tendency to very early abortion. Like, again, they conceive uh, easily but there's a tendency to early abortion like in the second month itself and the cycle the flow sorry can be extremely profuse for this remedy to be indicated and strain cannabis indica which is made from you know so even cannabis. such indicated uh, in a state like infertility that is so, really uh, cool the only time i've ever used it was when the the husband was a chronic cannabis smoker 
and he was refusing to give up smoking and the woman was actually miscarrying and I had a suspicion that it was due to his sperm. And um, yes, yeah, so we gave him the remedy cannabis. Uh, I think I gave cannabis sativa and uh, that really helped. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my One of the recent cases that has come to my clinic for infertility study that I'm conducting right now. I'm offering an infertility study currently. Um, on that also, I have used that cannabis indica for one of the patients where there was a history of uh, use of this recreational substance and uh, subsequent sterility. So I've used it for a male as well, but the results are awaited. I can't really comment on the result right now. Oh, that's so interesting. That's another thing, reason why I love speaking with the Indian homeopaths, because you have so many people that are open to homeopathy over there and there's always studies and things happening. So there's just so much great information coming out of India, which I absolutely, absolutely love hearing about. Are there any others that you wanted to share with us? Or was that the end of your list? I am thinking how I left out something, um, you know, even borax is a remedy that has been oh. used for it. It's such a common remedy. We always think of borax for, uh, you know, the ulcers, the mouth ulcers, mm. but uh, there could be ulcerative condition of the genitals as well, where this remedy is indicated for infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I have too many others to mention right now, just off the top of my head, because as I said, I dive down into the mental aspect of the case and then decide on a remedy mostly. Um, you know, there are there are uh, people where uh, some sometimes they are suffering from a condition and they will blame themselves for it. You know, mm-hmm. they will be like, it's my fault that this is happening. So, you know, there, there are so many different mindsets that develop in a, in a patient when they are suffering from a particular condition and how they are, uh, you know, experiencing that condition becomes so important for me to uh, prescribe for them. You know, what are they thinking about their condition? How are they coping with this? And how is the condition affecting them on their, on the mental level? It's, I think these are my uh, areas of exploration when a chronic case is in front of me. Mm, that's amazing. And that does happen so often these days where we see women that are leaving their uh, child rearing until, you know, late 30s, sometimes even early 40s. And then there can be this whole mental, emotional aspect of I've left it too late, you know, it's all my fault, all that sort of thing. So you probably see, I don't know if this is the same sort of culture in India, but certainly over here, um, you know, often women will leave it late until their 30s and then really blame themselves and be very hard on themselves for leaving it that late. So that's the beauty with homeopathy. We can get really in there and, and get into the mental emotionals of, you know, what exactly it is that they're feeling and addressing yes, that and level. There is one other common scenario that is, um, you know, attached to this condition that I have come across personally in many cases. There are some women who are suffering from infertility who will start getting dreams of babies. Mm. And there is, you know, there there is a very small list of remedies that has been mentioned in relation to that. So, uh, it's just about how this particular case is presenting in front of me. Mm-hmm. What is happening and what is happening at the level of the mind, dreams, the psychology of the case. It's extremely important. Mm-hmm. So that is why I think homeopathy is such a beautiful option for this uh, condition. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And for anyone considering a consultation with Dr. Varsha, just, you know, 
rem- really get in tune with your own body. She's going to be asking you questions. All of us homeopaths are, like she said, about your cycle, the color of the blood. Are there any clots? Are there any symptoms before or after? Do you have any ovulation pain? What makes it better? What makes it worse? How long does it last? What you know? Is there any smell? Do you have any cravings? All of that. So if you are not currently feel that you're not in touch with your body until the time that you have a consultation, make sure that you have an app on your phone to track your cycle so you can start to answer some of these questions and you know obviously go and go and see dr varsha anyway even if you're not in touch with your body because going through that homeopathic process will will definitely get you in touch with your body if you're not already but there's going to be a lot of questions so be prepared <laughs> i can be quite irritating during the consult <laughs> some of the patients really, oh my god the questions are never ending yeah so i, I think challenge- as homeopaths we have such uh, appreciation for how Every person you talk to is so different and you don't want to miss that tiny little bit of information that's going to, you know, really differentiate and just make the prescription excellent as opposed to just good. So that's why we ask a lot of questions, not because we're nosy. (laughs) (laughs) Not because we're nosy, but we have to to take hours to ultimately analyze the case and then Mm. come to a prescription. So yes, uh, it's it's a tedious process and it takes a lot of hard work and time. A lot. uh, perseverance is something that we all need to, uh, you know, have as a quality uh, as homeopaths as well as our patients as well. They need to have a lot of patience and perseverance with us. I want to talk about um, something that is in the pipeline as well, Eugenie. Yes, please. Uh, talking and so many people are, you know, listening to us. So why not? I am. Um, so uh, U.S. Um, surrogacy head is a friend of mine and we are in talks of going big with the news of homeopathy and infertility uh something that is big and something that is going to be like a cast on a a channel like uh, apple tv or netflix or uh you know something big is in the pipeline i'm really excited for it Uh, but it'll take some time because it is only at the planning stages right now so i'm involved in that project and uh i should be coming up uh, you know, huge in your, on your screens very, very soon. Oh, that sounds exciting. And I am actually a big believer on when you're doing something like that, put it out there because then you start creating yeah. momentum. So just, I, and also the more people you tell about it, the more accountable you're being held. So I will be touching base with you in a few months time and make sure that, you, <laughs> that you're I, delivering. <laughs> but you're part of the project, obviously. So, uh, you know, I really hope it all materializes very, very soon, but it is in the pipeline and they are already working on it. And they have asked me to be part of it. So yes, I would bring homeopathy to the fore and very, very soon. Oh, that sounds exciting. Now, you also have two children. And how can you tell us a little bit before we finish up just how you use homeopathy with them on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely. I'm delighted to talk about that because uh, I think I'm so proud of uh, both of my children being exclusively on homeopathy since the time they are they are, they have been born now my son is about 14 years old and my daughter is going to be 6 very soon oh. and um, they are not one course of antibiotics until now so I, I think i think i'm extremely proud of that my son had horrible ear infections horrible recurrent ear infections as a reaction to one of the vaccines that he had uh he's half vaccinated i went ahead with half vaccination and i realized that he's reacting to it mm-hmm. so i stopped it daughter is completely unvaccinated and um the ear infections were also treated with homeopathy and starting from any injury to any 
cough and even COVID, we have gone through C19 already as a family and we have addressed it with only and only homeopathy. And I'm, I'm extremely proud of that fact. That's amazing. And it, it is so empowering. I think the one thing that I certainly get out of homeopathy is it makes me feel empowered. It makes me feel I have something that I can help my family and myself with. I don't have to stand there helplessly and wait for somebody to fix me. I can do it myself. That's what I love about homeopathy. Exactly. And to be honest, I was their homeopath for the first few years of uh, their you know, life, but I then hired somebody else for them because it's very difficult for me as a mother when they are you know, sick and you know, just to be objective about the entire situation. So mm. I have a homeopath who treats me if I am ill and as well as my children have their own homeopath. So you know, I can just ring their bell as soon as we are coming down with something, because it's it's something that becomes extremely overwhelming, uh, you know, for me as a mother to handle both the sides of the situation. So I would I would I would suggest that to all the mothers there that uh, don't try to do everything by yourself. You mm. do have help, so get the right kind of help for your family. Absolutely, and it's wonderful building that that uh, relationship up with your homeopath because they will really get to know your child, and sometimes you know they'll say they'll have the notes over the years. So they'll you know something might happen. Your child's twelve, and they might have the notes and go, "Would you remember your child had this when they were eight? And you might be like, "Oh, I forgot they had that." But your homeopath has got all that notes there that they can actually help you, and and you learn from them as well. It's you know like us homeopaths learn from our own homeopaths. So. Yeah, and, and any, any homeopath you ever go to, you're going to be learning from them. So it's a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. I think they are a blessing to my family. So yes, um, I really value their services. Yeah. Now, Dr. Varsha, how can people get hold of you? And you also have some courses for homeopaths, right? Yes, I do. I have uh, online courses, completely online courses for uh, mind rubrics of the repertory. If somebody is just looking to explore that area, uh, then yes, I do offer a course, which is a, I offer two courses actually currently. One is a 20 remedy course. 20 remedies are the top, uh, the most commonly used polycrest remedies of our Madeira Medica and how they are expressed in the mind section of the repertory. So I deal with all of that uh, in that course. Mm-hmm. And then there's another course, which is a shorter course. And uh, that is about uh, the the rubrics that I have used most commonly in my practice from the mind section of poetry explained in videos and a presentation. So that is how that course works. That's a shorter one and there's a longer one. It is all there on my website if anybody wants to check it out. That sounds amazing. And uh, you've got your main website, which is homeopathynet.com. And then you've got lots of other links for other places where people can find you, which I will put in the show notes. So for anyone that is interested, and you're also involved with homeopathy 24-7, right? Absolutely. How how are we not talking about it until now? So homeopathy 24-7 is my And uh, I have been with Mary Greensmith, who's our founder, from the beginning of uh, this platform. We are a 24-7 website. I'm sure everybody already knows about it. I'll still mention it. That we are a 24-7 service and uh, we are a team of homeopaths from all over the world. And we are available for consultations, um, as we say, 24-7. So you can just knock on our door and somebody from my team will always be there for a professional consultation with you. 
Oh, that's so amazing. Um, I often send my clients, if I am busy and I'm not able to treat them acutely, I'll say, call the ladies at, well, actually, and men, call the team at Homeopathy 24-7 and get an acute consult with them because I'm not able to help at the moment. So, And we've had Mary Greensmith on the podcast and it's amazing what she's doing. It's it's very much needed. And she's so inspirational. I think she has um, inspired me singularly to really work at that level where I'm now treating people from all over the world. So it's it's really, I'm really thankful to her for that. That's amazing. Well, I am very thankful to you for your time. It was so lovely to connect and thank you so much for sharing this information. And please listeners, check out the show notes and uh, get in touch with Dr. Varsha if infertility is something that you feel maybe a little bit hopeless about at the moment and she can see you no matter where you are in the world. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm truly obliged. It's such a pleasure. Have a great day.